All right, we are in week six of eight of our Faith and Work series, and today news will get a little bit better uh, from what we talked about last week when Julie said, this is depressing. We get, to, we get to the good stuff now. But faith and work. How many of you looked at your work this week and when Nick talked on last week, work is futile, and you thought, I can very much relate to this? Any of you have an instance in that? Nick himself had a <laughs> realization of that reality. Kind of for review, what we've been going through, first two weeks we looked at created to work, the why and how work. We are, why we're, we work is we're made in God's image. We reflect him. God is a working God, and he presents, presents that in the very first verse of the Bible. And then to bring order out of chaos. You know, we have a, we have a dusting of snow right now, but soon we will have snow on the streets, and we'll be thankful for those like Simeon who go out and plow. They are literally bringing order out of chaos. They're doing that for us. And that, that reflects in itself um, what God has called us to do in the creation. And then how? We work in relationship, we work together, and for collective flourishing. Then the last three weeks we looked at fallen work, the effects of sin brought into the world. Um, uh, work changes as a result of the fall, sin entering the world. We look at the difference between what we oftentimes put in as secular versus sacred, uh, we see work as idolatry. We work as this is what I my identity is based on. And then what we looked at last week, unending chaos. Work is futile, it's pointless, or it's painful. And as Julie mentioned, it's depressing. That's the world we live in, right? We see work as this is just constant. It's agony. It can, be, it can feel that way. But thankfully we get to the point where we are today is we're, we're looking at redeemed work. We'll look at that today and, we'll, and, and next week. Uh, the way that God is intended it to be going back to that and how the gospel really plays a, a tremendous role um, in bringing redeemed work to us. Tim Keller puts it in this way, that we ask uh, three questions and we answer them, we can then get our worldview from that. And when we consider work, we can look at it in this way too. How are things supposed to be? How would you answer that in relation to work? Productive, Productive. yeah, the way God intended good he made it good but then we're supposed to be make tend to it make it even more productive an orderly creation in which the created ones tend the earth in such a way that it reflects their creator that's the way god intended it so that's what we looked at those first two weeks the next question is the what happened what's the main problem with the way the things are right now short answer is sin right Centers the world and created enormous challenges in how we care for the earth. And then man lost his purpose for work. It becomes very man-centered. I work because of me, rather than I working because I'm reflecting my creator. And sin distorts the good that God had created. But then we get this question, we'll look up today, what is the solution? How can it be realized? The gospel. That's the good news, that we aren't just stuck in that futility, that the gospel has come in. We now have redeemed work. And we can see that because God has, has changed our lens of viewing the world through his perspective again through the redeeming grace of Jesus. And it's realized by Jesus making all things new and it points to a day in which the world will return to its original perfect state. We're working that, we're doing the best that we can to, in this fallen world. It won't ever go back in this world uh, to the way God intended, but he'll bring it back um, when Jesus returns. And that's exciting. It, it gets us, allows us to go back to work on Monday and say, okay, this is good. This is challenging. Sin brings a lot more challenges into the world through my work, but I also can see what God um, is doing this way. The gospel truly does change everything. 
And that's good, good news for us. Now we need to ask the question, though, how would we describe the gospel? That seems so basic. What Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, he died for sin, he was buried, and he rose again. And we trust in that by repenting of our sin and trusting fully in what Jesus has done. A few weeks ago, we looked at Martin Luther and his view of work when he didn't view the gospel as it really was. His view of the gospel was, I need to do everything I possibly can and to, uh, to appease God's wrath on me because of my sin. But it even changed Martin Luther's view of work because he thought all work must then be done in a sacred sort of way so that even in the, through my work that I'm doing, I'm trying to please God. But he realized, like all of us do, it's impossible. Not even the work that I do can please God. It's only what Jesus has done, so I fully place my trust in him. And so as Martin Luther realized that, and he made the distinction between that, that secular, secular and sacred, and realized, no, all, all work is actually sacred. That the gospel has to be gotten right. It's not that I'm doing all that I possibly can, including my work to attain God's favor. It's actually I'm trusting fully what Jesus has done. And that helps our perspective. You know, religious cultures like the one that we live in today, people even view their work as if I'm doing well, that must mean Jesus is happy with me. I've heard that a lot in our culture. If I'm doing well financially, if I'm doing well in my job, I must be doing something right. But that's not that way at all. It's not based on our own merits, even through our work. But the gospel, the good news, changes our perspective even on that. And that is so liberating. As we'll look up a little bit, it actually allows us to rest in our work that we do. So the gospel does change everything, including my work, how we work, why we work, what we do. Nick touched on this verse last, last week, Ephesians 4.28, that the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Paul, in that context, is talking about the new life. Now that you are changed through the gospel, this is now your new life. And this verse, in relationship to work, is an awesome picture of what the gospel does to someone. He says, let the thief. It's almost like that's his occupation. That's what he's known for in that community. The one who is known as the thief. The one who doesn't possibly want to work. Or maybe views that someone else's work gains them a lot more than they even deserve, so I have the right to take from them. And he's the thief. I will take from them what is not mine. But he says, let the thief no longer steal, because, but now the gospel's transformed him, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. It goes from taking from people what is not rightfully mine, possibly because he doesn't want to work, to now because he's been changed by the gospel, to working diligently, working with his own hands, being part of God's creation, and in doing what God intended, so that then he can then give to other people. That's gospel transformation in one verse. And that affects how we work. I love that verse because it just shows what redeemed work looks like. You still live in a fallen world, but this is what the gospel does to change work. Think about even the story of the Good Samaritan. He's the one who helps the one who wouldn't necessarily normally culturally be considered his neighbor, but he actually pays for his care. And what's he say? When I, if, when I come back, if you have done more, I will pay it back. But where's that money come from? His work. 
he worked to get that money, but he's now actually he's now using that money to serve his neighbor as well. The picture, again, of the gospel, how that transforms how we think and what we do with our work and then with our money. So we're going to ask these five questions this morning. The who, what, when, where, and why of work. And we'll kind of go back and forth between but before salvation, how this works, and then how the gospel transforms um, our thinking of this. So I'm going to ask you these questions. Who works and for whom do I work? Think about before coming to Christ. What was your perspective of that? Who works? It worked for me, yeah. Again, it goes back to that man-centered perspective that sin brings into the world. Those who have to work, work. Not to get, not get overly political, but think about this. When AOC the, and from New York, they put out that, the Green Deal, what caught most people's attention was those, they would even provide money for those who are unwilling to work. Now, as I was doing some research on that, they, that possibly was put in by mistake. But that, that phrase caught everyone's attention. He says, wait, wait you're going to pay people who are unwilling to work. And the thought is, well, I don't want to work, so you still, I still got to get a paycheck. But that really destroys the image of God in that person. These were all made to work. And that's where that fundamentally breaks down for us as Christians. But the thought can be, well, if I have to work, I will work. But now as a believer, who works? What have you looked at? We all do. And it's a privilege. But who do we work for? God, right? And for others. We are working for the benefit of other people too. It's the great commandment. We love God, love others. And we see that through our work. Now, I do want to put a disclaimer in here though. Even in the life of a, of a non-believer, there is common grace that we see that God has given to them. So we can't look at every person who does not trust in Christ as they are doing this in a total, total selfish reason. They are still working. There are, there are many people who are not Christians who still work and do it for other people. But the motivation often is wrong in that case. But we still do see evidence of God's grace in people who do not believe. And we'll see that as we go through these different questions. So who works and whom do I work? Or who, for whom do I work? What do I do for work? Before you came to Christ, how would you answer that question? I work for whatever makes me happy or whatever gives me satisfaction or I do this so I simply can get to the weekend. Whatever gets me enough money to enjoy those two days at the end of the week. I remember I worked in college for a company called MPNA and we, we made the rubber for Michelin tires. It was the most, <laughs> okay, I shouldn't say this because we're talking about work, but most ridiculous job because we literally took small pellets, put them in bags and put them in bigger bags and sealed them. That was my job over and over and over and over again. And I would sit on a line with a guy named Jesse who became a good friend of mine, but he was as different. I was in Bible college and it was good for me to be with this guy. It gave me like a real world experience. And Jesse would just say, I am living to get drunk on the weekend. That was his life. And it, it saddened me that we're just sitting here stamping these packages to go to Michelin and make tires and he's just living for that. But he was doing all he possibly could. This is what he does for those two days. But how about us who have been redeemed by Jesus? What, what do we do? We look at what 1 Corinthians 7 said, right? That God has called us to our, this life and he actually appoints us to specific responsibilities and even the gifts that he gives us. And so therefore we do those things. We work, we labor with those gifts that God has given to us. So I do what God has given me an ability to do. For some of you, it can be to write code. For some of you, it's uh, to work in sales. 
For some of you as moms, is to be with your children and to teach them and to raise them up. And it can go on and on. But how, does, how has God gifted you? And do we use that? Thinking that even in gospel purposes, what do I do so that the gospel then can be proclaimed? So I work in an area that God has gifted me. So what now, when do I work? Or how would you answer this before you became a believer? When I clock in, we limit it to that nine to five period. Or would I absolutely have to, right? Remember we talked about this, this thought. Sin has brought the good that God brought in it through work and changed it to either work is our idol or we are idol at work. And this is where this can come in. If work is our idol, I work what I absolutely every minute I possibly can because it's not enough. And I'm trying to do everything I possibly can to build myself up. But, or you go to the other side when I'm idle at work. I do it as least as possible. Only when the boss is around. And that shows the effects of sin. But now as a believer, when do I work? All the time. It goes on um, what Nick was saying. It's not just when I clock in. It's not just at 9 a.m. I view everything through the lens of what that God has is, is, is brought good out of work. When you're home with the kids, when you're volunteering for your city, when you're working in your yard, when you're working with your grandkids, when you're working at church, when you're teaching piano, when you're fixing a leaky faucet. I, I was leaving Monday and Laura called me and said, um, by the way, <laughs> there's a water running down our wall. And I was like, oh, this is great. And sure enough, all the, all the drywall is all wet. And I'm the least capable person to do that. But again, it's just, this is work. This is part of what God has called me to do, to bring order out of that chaos that was behind that wall in a brand new house, right? Somehow. Where do I work? Have you thought about this? Often we think, well, I work where it's convenient to me or where I feel comfortable. I don't want to be put out in any way, so I work where it's absolutely convenient for me. But how does, that gos- how does the gospel change that mindset of where you work? Some of you moved to Utah for that purpose, right? You thought, huh, I could move there and be a a part of what God is doing, and so I will go work there. That can be a huge factor in in, in where you go. Maybe it's a place where you can make an eternal difference. One of the neat things that we've heard recently is that people are looking at teaching in public schools and inner city places because they realize, you know what, this is a place where there is not much social justice because these kids are given the, the least amount of, of money for their education and they get the worst teachers. But you know what? God has given me to teach. So rather than go to the good schools, I'll go to the bad schools. And I can actually help there to help these children and make an eternal difference that way. That is a great way to think. How does the gospel change my view of work, even where I work? That's redeemed work. When we look at that from that perspective. And then why? Why do I work? To survive? For my friend Jesse to get to the weekend? Now there are those, again, again, through common grace, who do that to serve other people. You think of people like Bill Gates who have billions of dollars and he does good with that money. But when Jesus changed us, we, we work, as we talked about earlier, for those two things. We love God and we love others. That's why we work. We realize we're reflecting him. We're imaging him to the world. And as we do that, we then serve and love other people. And we do it also for the good of our community. This is what Jeremiah 29, 7 talks about. When you prosper, your city's also prospering as well. So we're doing it for, this, for the sake of other people. 
Looking then, we looked at a few weeks ago our identity and how sin distorts that through our work. We define ourselves prior to salvation by our success, by a lot of it or a lack of it, and go both ways. I don't do very well, so I feel down on myself. Or I'm doing really, really well, so I am defined by what I do. Everyone must know what I do so they see how good I am at this. We define ourselves that way. Or fear of others. What do they think of my ability to do this work? Any of you struggle with that? I see some heads shaking, yeah. What do people think? There's always a fear of that. I mean, to be honest with you, we have, we have churches that support us to be here, and there's a fear. I have a fear of those churches because they think, what, I think, what do they think of us? It's always there. It's a constant need of approval of other people. Wondering, oh, is my boss satisfied? Or is th- those who are buying from me, are they satisfied? Are they approving of me? But then what happens after we see Jesus and how he changes? We're, not, we're defined not by our success, but we're defined by faithfulness. We'll look at this a little bit, little bit deeper in a second. We no longer fear others and what they think. We actually are thinking, what does God think of me? What does God think of the way I am working? Am I reflecting him? Am I imaging him? And it's not a constant need for approval anymore. There is actually rest that can come from that. And that's what the gospel brings to us. We're not always seeking approval. We're actually resting in what God has given us through Christ. Our, but our identity can be wrecked so quickly in our work because of sin. But we now see how the gospel then comes in and changes and actually brings a, a new identity to us. Look at these three, three things here. Jesus completed the most important work. Have that thought in mind as you go to work. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Everything viewed through that lens. This is the greatest work that is accomplished. And now I view my identity now based on that, not in my work. I ultimately work for King Jesus. You look through, through that passage, he actually ends up by saying, you are serving the Lord Christ. Not doing it as men pleasers, not always looking out what other people are thinking about me, so my identity rests in what they think of me. But I'm actually working in a way that I'm actually serving Christ. And I'm doing it in this way to serve other people as well. And then lastly, God is renewing everything in me, including my view of work. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And he renews that sense in us that we are now a new creation and we even view work in a very, very different way. And so my identity is not wrapped up in how others view me or what I am doing or I'm idle at work or work is my idol, but it's actually, no, Jesus is actually using my work uh, to, to renew everything, including me and my view of work. My work is not my identity. Rather, I work in such a way that others identify the power of God's redemptive work in me. You, you work that way. They were working in a way that they would say, that person is very, very different. They're countercultural in their way than they work. They actually work when the boss is not around. And when they identify, Jesus has changed that person. Doesn't, he becomes our identity, not our work. What's the purpose of work? Make money, to make a lot of it. As Americans, we think, I need to make a lot of it to actually be successful, to not be a drain on society. Have you ever heard someone who says that, say that about their work? I simply do this because we, as a, as a culture, do this. And I don't want to be one of those people that where they're paying for me to do everything, to provide for leisure opportunities. This is why I work. Again, go, it goes to the weekend, so I have my toys. 
So those two days somehow make the other day, five days more bearable. To save for retirement so I can retire early. This is why I work. So I can, by the time I'm 50, I'm done. I'm checking out. So I'll work hard now so I can enjoy those last days. For self-reliance, that's a big one in our culture where we live right here. I work so that I will not rely on anybody else. That's not a biblical view at all. But that is taught prevalently here in our own culture. As I was reading through that this week, that, that it was taught, it's taught specifically, I work so that when bad times come, no one has to help me out. Back in March, you remember that when people were in grocery stores and the look of panic in their eyes? And it's, it's, a, it's, it's everyone for themselves at this point. Because it's self-reliance. I'm getting what I need to get in my house. So I've worked enough to have enough money to do that. That's so anti-gospel. That's not the way to live. And it becomes very individualistic. But I work so that I am taken care of. And when that bad times come, I'm good. Don't come knocking on my door. I work to prove myself to other people. You have a parent maybe that they, they did something really well and you're trying to prove I can do it just as well as they can. Or through, through common grace, I help, I help meet the needs of other people. But after salvation, we see it in a very different way. I work to reflect a working God, again, to bring order out of chaos, to help my society flourish, to work in- interdependently. We depend on other people for our work. That's how society is made up. That's how God created it. We don't work just for me. We're actually working for other people to do their job so the other person can do their job, so the other person can do their job. Think about your job. How many people do you depend on to get your job done tomorrow? There's a lot of people. Even if you're staying at home as a mom, you depend on that. Even if you're retired and working at home, you depend on a lot of people to be able to do your job. What about success? How would someone who is not in Christ define success at their work? A lot of money, yep. Climbing the corporate ladder, more power, yep. All these are very Western mindsets. And all these, again, individualistic mindsets. Survival. Any of you moms relate to this? Right? I had The kids are well-behaved, but the kids actually lived through the day. That's success today. More money, promotions, more power. The house is clean. I got something done today. That is success. <laughs> but again, this is how we view it through the lens of sin and work, but now... This, success and work is faithfulness to God, right? Can we control every circumstance that comes our way? No. But we're faithful to what God has called us to do. The Lord, Laura was subbing this, or last week, I guess it was, and the internet and all of Alpine School District was out, which that can cause a little bit of problems. And her, she was subbing, and the, the, everything was based on internet. And she thought, this guy doesn't think I'm an idiot. For three days, and she said, well, what am I going to do? And she did the best that she could and remained faithful to what God had called her to do for those three days. But do you view your, your work that way? You can end the day saying, I did the best I could with the abilities that God has given to me. I can't control circumstances. And I was faithful to God. When those circumstances come up, do you know what that shows us? That circumstances that we can't control? We aren't God. 
And that's a good thing. We can't control all those different situations that come up through our day, but we remain faithful to God. That's very countercultural, right? Because we people think I must control every little circumstance so that I look good and look successful in my work. But we can't. 2020 has taught us that. We can't control it. COVID came in. Who controls that? No one does except God. But through our work, we remain, remain, remain faithful to him. And that's success. That's how God counts success. So as you go to work this week, how is the gospel evidenced through your work? It's redeemed work now because the God, God has given you eyes to see it in a very new perspective. So how do you evidence that through your work this week? Here's just a few examples. We just talked about in Philemon, willingness to forgive quickly. If you think through that, would that be very countercultural in your workplace? That will demonstrate Christ in you. That you're somebody, even if you're in an elevated position and those below you have done wrong to you, you forgive. You forgive. That will demonstrate the gospel has changed you. That will be radical. Or about speaking well of coworkers or your bosses or those below you. That's not normal in our society. Again, we live in a very polarized country right now. We speak well of people, thinking the best of people. There's humility when tasks are achieved. Not saying, yep, I did it. Look what I've done. But there's also humility when tasks are not achieved. You realize, yeah, I can improve. I need, I need to work on this. Willingness to serve others when you deserve to be served. And that points back to the way Christ in John 13. And then speaking truth about God's redemptive plan through our work. Have you thought about that? How can you point your coworkers or even your bosses and say, what we just did actually reflects God. First of all, that's going to blow them away. But how, have you thought, how, how do I mix, this is what God is doing in the world to my coworkers. Be creative with that. Don't be gentle with that. Don't be like, I know more than you do. But think about how do we mix that in to, to the way we're working. Talk about it. Say, this reflects what, what God is like. This is what we're creating in this app is very unique, but that actually reflects a very unique creator who's very creative, and he actually gives us the ability to do that. That evidence is that, that the gospel is transforming because that's not normal because we think, well, we're just geniuses. We figured this out, but we actually can show a very different side of things that actually God has changed me. God has changed me, my view of work, and I can actually reflect that and evidence that in my work. So there's one last thought here. God is kind to allow us to see the value of work as a result of the gospel transforming our lives. He wouldn't have to do that, but he does. And we spent three weeks looking at the bad of it, how sin just distorts the good that God created in the world through work. And we view work as, ah, Monday. But now we can say, Monday, another chance to reflect God through my work. And God is so kind to allow us to do that. He's so kind in that way. Next week, to kind of get you thinking already, look about ethics at work. And what we're going to do is we're going to break you up for part of the time into different, different categories. We'll kind of talk about how, what categories are going to bring that up. But be thinking about what ethical issues do you deal with at work? And then how do you respond as a believer in Christ to that? We all face them probably every single day, if not every single hour. And so be thinking, what issues? Think through this week. Oh, this came up. 
But how does my view as a Christian change how I responded to that situation? I think it's really going to dovetail well with the, the Christian in conscience. We're looking at that in November, I think, Danny, right? This will kind of be a kind of good precursor thing. How, do, how does my conscience work through this and through ethics at work? So we'll be talking about that next week. Uh, so we think about this week ahead, uh, how you can be um, getting into conversation with others who are in a similar line of work as you uh, here in the church. All right, have a good week.